0: My name is Anthony Capazzoli. I am the host of the Dismantled Life podcast and I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict after nearly 40 years of addiction. I've been clean and sober for nearly four years and work hard to help others find recovery. Join me each episode to learn from my sober superhero guests and how they went from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of recovery. Dismantled Life can be found on Digitent Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes you have to burn the house down to find home. That is exactly what I have done.
1: That analogy of the burning, the flame, the fire, the spark, it's all made so much sense in my addiction and my recovery and how that the spark and the flame and the, what it was burning chaos when I was fueling it with gasoline, not with air, well, not with air, with breath. I was not taking a breath for like 25 years. And now how different life is that I've got my flame back and controlled. So I didn't have to actually burn it right down, but I had found, I found home, which is obviously our, our soul, our spirit. I
0: like to spend more time on the, what are we doing now part to, yes. to enjoy life and move forward and kind of build a new version of ourselves in a great way. And I love that you've done And that.
1: that's, that's what I feel like I'm doing is sort of revisiting my old self that was there at 25. I'm 47 now. So she was there and I lost her along the way to many things, but alcohol was along for the ride for sure. And it led to all those pieces of what, how, when I think back at all, when the drinking ramped and ramped and ramped, it was all pieces around losing my identity and losing my authentic self. And now this idea, of, like you said, rewriting, I, I'm not, I'm not in a midlife crisis. I'm in a midlife like rebirth. That's what I feel like I'm doing now and doing it sober. And I never thought that was possible. So, and and I, I see recovery it was i just had actually my year sobriety date was uh, july 21st so, so Congratulations. It's, just, it's just recent thank you
0: it was it
1: was really nice yeah i just felt like um when i got it i was like, Are you excited you know to going to get your your year you know milestone i said yeah not ex-. it's funny i don't feel excited i just feel like I, this is it. Like I've arrived, and tomorrow will be one year and one day. The next day will be one day, one year and two days. It's like this is life. Life now, and the woman that spoke at my sort of birthday—I guess we call it your birthday, your new birthday—she uh, said Michelle really does recovery as she sees recovery as a verb, and it's she's in action every day. So I that just I remember that stuck for me, and I thought, yeah, I think I do. I like I take it as a verb. It's a it's a it's an action every day for me, living in recovery, living in recovery.
0: David Goggins, who's a retired Navy SEAL and all these great things. And, but I I follow him because I'm always motivated by what he does, not just what he says, Mm -hmm. but what he does. And he's got this very simple thing because sometimes when my alarm goes off at 5am to get up to go to CrossFit,
1: I don't (laughs) want to get up.
0: I don't want to go do stuff. I want to lay there and be comfortable. And I always remember what David Goggins always said, which ties back to what you were saying. And this is, this is what we do now. This is just what we do now. And This is what we do. You you do that. Now, instead of going to the bar and, and doing kegs and eggs and all that bullshit yeah. that I used to do, I go yeah. do CrossFit workouts or I go box.
1: Exactly. And, and I'm a morning person too, by the way. So the 5 a.m. is all, all new for me. And it's just like, that's part of what I do. And I also give myself some grace. If I don't want to, I know it's a reason I'll get to the things, but I'd never really sleep in past 530. I'm kind of up with the sun, ready to rock. Same. That's so new for me. I'm usually hung over. I usually used to be hung over and pr- quite miserable.
0: Same so. exact thing, except. So uh,
1: grateful. <laughs>
0: for, for sure. I, and I, I was a combination of well, a lot of things, but mainly alcohol and cocaine. So I was usually up still. Up, so right. I was on the wrong side of 530. I, I was, you know, I was, it was a bad scene. And yeah. I, I like, yeah. I like me much better. Now, I, like you said, and I'm excited to dive into who you are and what you do and, and all the great things mm. you do to help people. But before we do, I want to point out, people watching or listening can't see this, but you have an awesome original first edition Air Jordan in the background. You
1: got it. You got it. it. I'm a a sneakerhead. (laughs)
0: Amazing. Like that's baller. Like, wow. The original Jordan, too. Like that's fantastic.
1: Well, you know, my son is 10. He's amazing. And he's a sneakerhead. And right now we're the same size feet. So, first of all, his friends think I'm uh, like the the raddest mom by having no doubt. I I I (laughs) I just met you,
0: and I think you're the raddest mom ever.
1: Like, but right now, I I said, you know, uh, his name is James. I said, you we can buy expensive shoes right now because they're my size. They're going to be mine once you outgrow (laughs) and you get bigger feet. You got to get a job around here because uh, so we so we we embrace it together right now. So I love it.
0: (laughs) Well, Michelle, I'm excited to hear your story. Uh, We can run the narrative however you'd like I mean I'm curious to hear Mm -hmm. kind of what got you here and you know one thing about my podcast is I don't like to spend a whole lot of time in the gladiator school side of it how much we did or but we you know except to say if there's a point to it like I always share like I was at you know a bottle of vodka or a bottle of whiskey a day to give people hope in that Mm -hmm. you can get through it 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 doesn't matter how deep you are you can get through it so for sure um, I'm curious like how'd you get here this is uh how'd I get here
1: yeah so i think what i what i think about my story like from you know everyone starts i was born here did that it makes sense but i feel like i want to share more like the, like themes so i look at i know it's referenced in a lot of like um recovery literature like the awareness the acceptance the action And uh, so if i can that's it'll help me sort of weave it through so when when i think back to the awareness of the drinking so when i think back i started um Drinking uh, it, very norm, what I would call normally in high school. I took my first drink at about 12, but it was, you know, the typical mix everything together in a concoction and get a buzz. But guess what? I liked it. I liked the warm feeling, I liked the goofiness. But I didn't obsess about it at all. I was a very normal drinker. I would say throughout high school, I, I danced competitively. I was on sports teams. I had a social life. I had okay grades until I had to pull my socks up to get into university. But I, I, I and drinking was a huge part of our my high school and my the small town I grew up in. It's in its culture. Bush parties, p- alcohol was everywhere and super normalized. And that's something else that I want to share too is the. the as I get into like the mummyhood and you know mummies drinking in the wine, what drinking wine in the park stories, alcohol is extremely normalized. and it 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 sort of makes alcoholics able to sort of like weave into society okay, because it is everywhere. Um, so I had the awareness uh, that I probably in university, there was a binge drinker. I, but again, I everyone was. at least it seemed like it. I never got out of hand. I never got blackout drunk. I never fell. I wasn't sloppy, held my grades together, super active in school. So I think it was okay, but it was still heavy drinking. It was still not normal drinking looking back now. So having that awareness Um, at age 25, I worked on a cruise ship for a year. So I spent a year abroad dancing in the shows on a cruise ship. And really, yeah, it was a great, great gig. <laughs> was, and I bring that up only because it's not like oh, remember when I used to be a dancer on a cruise ship. But that's really when I think back; like that was when I felt like anything was possible, and I was my absolute authentic self. And I was drink and it was, alcohol was part of it. We drank a ton as crew on the ship, and it w- we were in Mexico for basically a year, so there was a lot of yeah. a lot of that. Pretty of easy and tequila, and... Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Ports then, of call. Ports of call, we all, we never worked when we were, we were at sea. Uh, we never, sorry, we worked when we were only at sea. So in the ports of call, we were always off. So we were basically on a cruise for a year. Oh my it's gosh. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So alcohol was there. It was always there. Um, and then getting into sort of life, like adulting, like coming back off that cruise ship, not really knowing what I wanted to do, getting into relationships that didn't sort of serve me and deep down knowing that it was wrong. Like knowing, knowing that I wasn't being true to myself, that's when I would drink more. So unhappy relationships, I would, that's when the drinking alone started. Mm -hmm. And I remember my girlfriend saying like, are you drinking wine alone? We were having a phone call and she thought that was weird. I was in my late twenties and I normalized it because I would, Oh, he's away traveling. I'm, I, you know, I'm bored. I was drinking out of boredom probably too, but alcohol was always there as for sure as an escape, like an escape to, numb out what the unhappiness of me making a bad choice. And then um sort of further on, oh I should also mention too, I I'm adopted. So I, as an adopted child into parents that couldn't have children, I was like their gift of life. So and I had a beautiful loving parents. It's wonderful. But I was this I was the star of the show when I arrived in their life and my mom put me on stage very early. And the reason I bring that up is because That's how I felt like I should be this like girl on stage getting the applause. And I went easily into the dance career and singing and did well. And that did, it did actually fit, but it kind of forced me into extroversion that Mm -hmm. now in recovery, I'm like, oh, there's that introvert. Right. There (laughs) I am. (laughs) There I am. I'm actually, I like being alone. (laughs) I didn't feel like I could be given permission to find her because I was always out in public performing. And even in, at home, I felt like I had to always be outgoing and performing. So I think that was also one of the reasons that I drank to sort of like bring myself down or I don't know. There's definitely a connection there with alcohol and yeah. not living, your, not being truly who I want to be. I think alcohol helped numb it or bring They often say like if you're very high energy people, alcohol suppresses us. You know, it's a de- yep. sorry, depre- like it's a depressant. So it kind of can bring down the energy. So there is definitely a connection between the drinking and not feeling like my true self could be Sean. So I guess navigate further into my like 30s. And and um, a lot happened in my 30s. I had my son uh, when I was in my late 30s. And again, totally fish out of water. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't right. think anybody Who does. I'm still know. trying to figure
0: it out as a father.
1: As a mother with this newborn, my business at the time was sort of skyrocketing. I had a team of facilitators, because I used to be a high school teacher and I left teaching to start my own business in 2007. And um, my business was booming by, by the time my son was born. And all of a sudden, again, identity shift. So I had to now be a mother as opposed to a business owner, entrepreneur on stage. That was where I was comfortable. The drinking ramped up when I became a mother. And that's where I realized I was a, oh my God, I was an opportunistic drinker. I'd find every mom group that were drinkers Oh, you're having a play date in the park and I can bring a tumbler of of wine. Awesome. (laughs) You know, you're going to have a play date at your house with our babies. Oh, you're going to serve wine and snacks. Awesome. I was obsessed with the idea of alcohol being somewhere. I realized that too. Baby shower, don't really want to go. There'll be booze there. I'll go. That party, don't really like those people that much, but there'll be booze. I'll go. So it kind of just, it let me tolerate things. It was uh, it was definitely not healthy, a healthy relationship um, with it. Um, fast forward, after I had my son, uh, I had some hip pain in both hips. And fast forward, I had double hip replacement surgery in 2018. So I needed both my hips. I know it's major. I had both my hips replaced. So I had a genetic disposition of hip dysplasia that caused, um, after having my son, pain, arthritis, bone on bone. And I would, I was going to have to have them replaced anyway, my surgeon said, but I just accelerated the process instead of 70. I was 45 having them replaced. Was it because that, of again, the
0: dancing and then forgive me for maybe uh, yeah, yeah. No, inappropriate sure. question, but childbirth and dancing, I would assume yep. had two big childbirth,
1: factors. Childbirth, and then, you know, the idea of a having to having to lose the last bit of baby weight, which is a nonsense idea. I think I, I you know, <laughs> but I worked working out competitively, you know, I'm super competitive with myself, mostly um, working out really hard, pushing myself, tore both labrums, bone on bone arthritis in my family. And I couldn't walk. I was in so much friggin' pain. Guess what helped with the pain though? Alcohol. I was, I was, bu- I think I was buzzed like all the time. To, to advil and 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 wine. um so I kind of got aware at that point too, I'm drinking a lot to to deal with this pain. Um, and then having and then the recovery, having them both replaced, and then dealing with the, the boredom of recovery, literally in my lazy boy with my ice machines and compressing machines, bored what helped? alcohol. So I was using it for really, really coping it was my coping and my escaping from my identity, again, that connection to like the awareness that my identity was taken. I'm now this woman with these two hips. I have limitations. So it, all these things, this awareness along my life, like relationships, the child the being a mother and the hips, my identity was taken. That's when the drinking spiked hard. Um, and, and then COVID hits. We, how many stories do you, how many stories do you know, Anthony, about lot. The, the reason for the tip? That's when the tip, it was good. I don't know where I'd be without COVID. I don't know where my drinking would be. Um, I don't know what I would, I may have still been cruising along as a functional alcoholic. I don't know, to be honest, but I'm, I'm thankful it happened because it had to give me a real big wake up call.
0: Yeah. It was a breaking so, point for lots of guests that I've had and uh, uh, a lot of relapse moments for many, many people because sure. they were trapped alone. And, and I say that literally they, they, they couldn't go to groups they couldn't meet with their right. routines and whatever their pro- it. a lot of people and I hear both the good and the bad side of it so I'm I'm interested to hear that it and it, it sounds like you're about to say that it, it was a positive thing in your life in that regard
1: positive now that it happened but at the, it, in the heat of it it was it took me down like it ran because everything uh the identity the boredom the isolation the spotlight and I was married at the time until COVID and then the spotlight on the marriage, not being, uh, you know, not working for both of us. So, you know, March of 2019 or 2020 hits were shutting down at that point, Anthony, my hips were healed. I was sort of getting tons of bookings. 2020 was booked for me doing corporate keynotes, wellness presentations. I was excited, but I was still drinking. Like I, and the funny thing is, I got kind of sober curious in about 2012, I remember journaling at a a, a retreat about what my life would look like with that alcohol, because we had this like, um, a a perfect day or a perfect day meditation where we have to look at ourselves and everything from when your eyes open, what do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? Where are you? Walk to the mirror. What do you see? And I vividly remember thinking, she's not drinking. That would be my perfect day. I'd be more vibrant my skin would be but all the things we know are better in recovery without all, all the substances. So I had that sober curious moment back then um, so even though I say things were rocking in 2020 before covid I was still drinking too much and I knew it and didn't know how I was going to stop because I didn't I couldn't picture my life without it. It just it, it was woven into like everything I did social everything my partner and I did to connect not everything, but we connected on with through alcohol a lot. I just didn't know what I would do, I and mean, I'm sure you've heard other guests say, like I thought I'd be bored. Like sober people are bo- are boring.
0: <laughs> what and I hear it all the time, like what do I, what do sober people do? And I'm like, well, what do drunk people do? Like, and, you know, when you when you step away from exactly. it, it's a very real question, and it's one that I get asked a lot, uh, not not just on the podcast, but in just day to day life when I meet people who are hoping to get or working towards sobriety or um, have questions about you know, what it's like and some of the mm-hmm. challenges and it comes up a lot. And I'm like, well, at the beginning, you, you, you wonder what the hell you're going to do. You really do. And then you realize that you find, I don't want to steal any thunder here, but I, I found myself in my sobriety because in a weird way, it's, we have a lot in common in this regard, alcohol helped me become an extrovert because and it through, I healed my trauma. I thought through alcohol, drugs and extroversion, but now mm-hmm. that I'm sober, I'm really an introvert. I, but I didn't no. know that at the time. and I like no. being at home. I like staying with my kids and my wife at home and relaxing. and I, I don't like the like if we go do stuff, I, I, I force myself to go, you know, we we'll go to dinner and things like that. of course. I'm not reclusive. Yeah. but it, I'm more comfortable at home reading a book by far than at a bar rampage drinking and the, what would happen mm-hmm. to me is I would get a bunch of cocaine and I would drink all night for two, three days. And it spun out of control, and I'm going to go back yeah. to you here now, but that I, I, no that's a very important question, and one that I'll just say, and I'm curious what your answer is, it, when you get sober, you realize how and why you forced yourself to live with alcohol. That's the answer. Like, how much more that's life it. you have to live when you're sober? It's a completely different lifestyle in an amazing way.
1: It surely is, and I, I don't know if you can relate to this, too. I, I was sort of terrified to be alone. By myself, oh, yeah, and get to know sure. my and get and get to know the real me, Definitely. and uh, you know, self love and self worth, and I kind of always thought I had a high level of self confidence, but I, I think I mixed those two things up. Self confidence on stage is different than being comfortable in your own skin. I, I I don't think I was because of choices that I made that were pulling me away from my authentic self, from my home. That's why my whole the work I do with Breath and Fire is about finding that home. I I was I didn't know my I didn't know my home. So even when I was alone, I would drink to so not be by myself. I didn't want to be by myself. I was I was terrified of my own of my own company because I did i be I was an, <laughs> I was an only child. So I always had people around and family. Where I my, my mom's sister lived next door with uh, millions of cousins were always around. My my house was the sleepover house the. I never lived alone. I had roommates or boyfriends or live in, you know, husband, but I I never lived alone. This is the first time in my life in my 40s living alone. And I
0: love it. It's got to be amazing.
1: (laughs) I love it. 2020, I'm booked. I'm quote in air quotes, happy, but I'm still drinking a ton. And then the COVID, the pandemic shuts all events down. So I start getting emails like, you know, that conference is canceled, that event is canceled, we're pivoting. To Zoom booked, rebooked for 2021 or whatever it was. So every day, all of these things were canceled. And I, what it what it showed me now, looking back, having the awareness, my work and my time on stage and in front of people was one of my escapes from, sort of from life in general. But my other escape was alcohol. So when that work was taken away during COVID, I leaned heavy into the alcohol. It. And you know, I think everyone sort of did. It was normalized during COVID. My husband and I at the time were, were drinking a lot, a lot together. We were both saying, like, you know, we, maybe we should cut down. We were like, stock up, you know. In Can- are you are you in uh, the U.S. or in Canada? I am in
0: the U.S. I'm in I'm in okay. Florida. Uh, we just You're moved from Chicago. My family and I. Yeah.
1: Nice. So I'm in Canada in Toronto. So we have the LCBO. It's our like you know governed uh, government uh, controlled liquor board, and
0: mm-hmm. you know they were
1: they remained open as an essential service. And it was all this, and it was joking, like stock up, you don't know when they're going to potentially close. So buying cases of wine, like it was, I was like, this is perfect for me. I'm like, (laughs) but again, I'll get to this later. Like I was not an alcoholic. I did not even want to utter those words i was just a fun big i was a heavy drinker right. this is what who i could do. handle yeah. who could handle my you booze you yeah. know what also when people like i took it as like a badge of honor michelle you can really handle your booze i was like hell yeah i can
0: exactly. I, I,
1: that, but i'm like no because i'm an alcoholic that's why I right
0: i've been drinking all day you just don't know that yeah. you just don't
1: know <laughs> i had five pre-drinks before the pre-drink party like right. bitter, seriously oh, yeah. um so at that point leaning heavy into alcohol we decide together that we're both gonna we meaning me not being an active participant in this, but we should stop drinking July, 2020. And I'm terrified because number one, I don't want to. And number two, I don't know how, Yeah, I don't know what my life would look like if we took alcohol away from COVID lockdown. So that's when Anthony, that's when said, that's when I feel like I, I, I entered that active addiction mindset for, for about five months. We don't get to what happened after five months where I was, I had to, I had to get it. I had to sneak it. I had to lie. I had to hide it like behaviors that I would see in a movie and go, how do like, what is wrong with that woman hiding her wine in the mailbox or something? I was doing all of it and aware of it, but I didn't know how to stop. It's terrifying. Um, At that time too, my girlfriends who I have an amazing supportive group of friends were also all worried about me and they were sort of doing a backdoor intervention with my Husband at the time. And I thought, God, if they do an intervention, I'm going to lose it. But I kind of wanted them to because I really found I didn't know what else to do. I was kind of like having the surrender, like the baby white flag, but I was still really scared what that would look like. So, November, so it got worse and worse and worse, more sneaking, hiding, lying. You know, I'm doing an, an inpatient program or sorry, an outpatient program with our hospital here. And it was on Zoom, and I would go for walks to be on my calls, to go and drink on the calls in an outpatient program. Like that's how sick my brain was the obsession to have to have it. So the compulsion, you know, it's cunning, baffling, powerful. It's, it it took me over. I was powerless over alcohol and it happened fast and it took me down. I didn't know what to do. So a vivid sort of moment um walking along the lake shore here in toronto with a very dear friend who cared so much about me that she had to be so brutally honest that she didn't care if our friendship was going to be ruined by this uh but she knew deep down it wasn't um said like she's she's crying i'm crying i think i was drinking that day too she said please just surrender go to the treatment center go away from your life for 30 days get away and just be away from your substance and just go and it something something resonated so within six days i was at a treatment center uh oh, here in canada that's oh, a great geez, friend I get, I get i get chills uh yeah she is an amazing friend still obviously is um has been there but she said you should be willing to lose our friendship if i hated her and it was gonna break she's she she couldn't live with herself or she didn't have that moment with me
0: i love this so that's yeah amazing.
1: And I felt like who am I'm like, you know, and that's, this is the ego that the dismantling of the ego is my big, has been my biggest work in the last oh, yeah. year and a year and a half. <laughs> um, but my ego is like, oh, uh, you know, a, a, a young mom that's on stage and has like this reputation doesn't belong at a treatment center. Like, who am I? Like, I just had it. I was all full of myself. And then I got there and just felt so humbled. Like the people that I, the people that I met and the Realization that I had a drinking problem, still not an alcoholic in my mind. I still was just, oh, I have a drinking problem, so I'll quit.
0: Defining an alcoholic, most people immediately picture someone from the movies, like you even mentioned. And I say this with all due respect. uh, I even hate to use the word, but a bum in the street, right? With tattered clothes and a bag Mm -hmm. around a bottle of something or a can of something. And that's what they envision. And that's not me. Therefore, I'm not an alcoholic. But what really I think people have to come to terms with is that alcoholics are sitting next to us everywhere you go dinner tables that mm-hmm. you sit at how many places Absolutely. how many family dinners have you gone to if you drink three bottles of wine at a family function at dinner you you may have an issue like you can mask mm-hmm. it with we really like wine and whatever but there's a problem and in little things like that sneak up and all of a sudden you're entrenched in it mm-hmm. and good on you for getting in front of it even even because I had to I had to hit bottom real hard many times um, and to to get into where I'm at now, and I'm grateful for mm-hmm. all of it, but I I get how people struggle with this. I, I'm fine. I mean, I, I work, I've got, I make a good living. I'm this, I'm that, yeah. I've got this. I couldn't possibly be an alcoholic. This wine is a hundred dollars a bottle. What are you talking about? Right. And all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. you realize that maybe the definition needs to be reworked a bit to fit into a it's very bit. personal definition, you know,
1: it is. And I know it's such a, it is you know, it's a common term. I, there is definitely stigma. Like you mentioned around it. I, I like to often equate, you know, the, the homeless man in the park with his paper bag is sitting beside me with a coffee cup with wine in it. Yeah. What's the difference? Exactly. I'm it's still 11 AM and I'm drinking it, and, it's, and trying it's, to and hide and it ju- and hide and hiding it for sure. Yeah. I'm hiding it and Absolutely. justifying that it's, that it's okay because that's happened. And that's happened. And this will take the edge off. Like I now in recovery, I live in the edge. I like the edge. The edge Definitely. is like life. That's the life. Part.
0: That's everything. It is everything. It's, like, it's wonderful.
1: Well, I always say like, I drank to as many as you, you can relate. Um, I don't want to be make a we statement, but me personally, I drank to like, not feel my feelings. I didn't get really taught how to express myself as a kid. We weren't, no one really cried. Like my dad I had a sudden heart attack 15 years ago. And I look back on that and my my mom didn't cry. I didn't see her cry. It's crazy. So then that shows me we don't cry. So then the, the I didn't. So anytime I felt uncomfortable and wanted to get out of my skin and and I would drink. However, Anthony, I would also drink to when I was happy. I would reward myself oh, for with sure. alcohol. You know, I just finished this great gig, hotel, yeah. lobby bar, five martinis. I Let's deserve it.
0: <laughs> so There was
1: always, always like happy, sad, you know, surprised, disgusted, al- alcohol fit, all of them, but they Everything. were all sort of, now I just process them and sit in them. No, I don't sit in them. I, I know I can recognize them and move through them. And that's life. I think I was just masking my, my feelings and not wanting to be by myself. And now I'm super happy, ha- super content doing all of that. Um, yeah, so I'm at treatment, the treatment center. And while I'm there, they expose us to 12 step programs. And my ego is having a real hard time with this because <laughs> my ego is like, no, first of all, I'm not an alcoholic. And secondly, I'm going to do my own version of this, because that's what I do that, that, that I you know, I don't, I'm those are what that's what the other people do the others i, yeah. <laughs> I look And even though it's cured millions of people <laughs> right. globally, this couldn't possibly that's be for, the, me. That, I'm, that I'm above be for me yeah <laughs> i'm above it so um my plan coming out of treatment i figured i'd see the treat the 30-day treatment as like uh someone asked me just today on our walk it was number one a, a time away from home my time away from my life it was i was alone for the first time in a in a room we had single rooms at this beautiful facility i went to um it was a month of discovery of my addiction and learning a ton. And it was like a detox and away from myself. Sub- it was away, a month away from my substance. I had no access to alcohol. It was totally had to happen. And then I got out, and um, that's when my marriage also came to a head where I realized I needed to be on my own to continue my recovery path. And that's, that's not what this podcast is about, but that's, that's another thing, but it is all for the better. Now it's an amicable uh, separation and divorce with, and it's, it's been a part of the journey. Let's say that. So I get back and I'm doing my own version of, of recovery, which I look back was just sobriety. I just was not drinking. So I was, I was doing a great morning routine. I was talking to a couple other alcoholics or other people in recovery, but I was only sharing when things were going well, like, Hey, just hit three months or, um, you know, uh, had a great day today. I wasn't sharing, man, I I was thinking about a drink today because I didn't want anybody to think I wasn't doing, wasn't rocking it. Cause like that Michelle rocks it. Michelle is like, that's my, and then my, my, um, my good friend in recovery is like, you were pulling captain recovery. You had the cat, the Cape and everything, (laughs) But Anthony, that um, I listened to one of your other podcasts earlier today and you had talked about relapse and you'd said like, when you pick up or take that first drink, that is like, that's the end of the relapse. It's what's happened before. And I like to think of it, what what the unhealthy thinking and patterns, and I was getting out of it in about May because I wasn't working a program. I wasn't being truly honest with me being an alcoholic. I was still afraid to say that. And I was having some, I was like, my journaling was slipping. I was staying up later. I was trying to think about maybe dating again. And yeah, was just, things were off. And then June 2nd, I picked up a drink again. So I had seven months of sobriety and I went on a five-week relapse. The worst part of that relapse was the secrecy. Again, I was back in that addictive, unhealthy behaviors where I was hiding it and sneaking it and no one knew the anxiety was Everyone thought I was still in, in sobriety. They were congratulating me on my seven-month, and I was lying. It was the worst, the worst. Uh, yeah, so I took myself back to the treatment center, but I, I took myself there. I, I, I kind of waved my little white flag and went back for a smaller stint, and then while there, surrendered to the fact that I was an alcoholic. I remember being in circle one time saying, I think I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and I started crying. <laughs> and, I and they were like, yay, she's finally given in.
0: <laughs> you tell people, like, you, you're you right where you need to be. Like, there's no, you can't fake this. You can't rush it. You can't slow it down. It, It's the the pace is the pace and it's unique to everyone. The one thing that I can feel when I'm starting to slip mentally, emotionally, whatever it might be, I, I'm a, I'm a, a, in a good way, a slave to my routine, you know, but I'm okay if something Changes because it's life, right? Something happens, but I I know if it's life changing it, or if I'm changing it to make it give myself excuses or bullshit to make it okay to do something that I know I shouldn't do, that I can't do because I'll die. That's why I am so unforgiving with myself. People like, why do you work out seven days a week? I'm like, because if I if I don't get up and make my bed after I get home, I get up, I get cleaned up, I go do my workout, I come back and my wife is up taking care of the kids and stuff. She let I go work out at six to seven. And when I get home, I make the bed. If I don't do those two things, I know this is crazy, but I I have a bad day and it leads me to bad thoughts, but leads me Mm -hmm. to bad emotions, to bad responses. And then I start identifying with my triggers. This is all bullshit. And unfortunately I'm an addict and I'll always be an addict and an alcoholic. And I know that about myself. So the relapse for me, starts with justifying missing a workout or, um, it's okay because whatever it is. And so I get the relapse part. And I always say that mentally you're parked in front of the liquor store or the drug dealer. Well, before you go yeah. into the liquor store or the drug dealer's house, like it's, yeah. that's where the tackling and the ego comes in. Like you'd mentioned a few times. And I agree with you that you have to come to terms that I call them, I guess, silver superheroes. And I mean that in, in absolute truth, but we're superheroes because we know that we're not really superheroes, right? We, we know that we have to fight our ego. We have to create new identities of our, with ourselves. And by that, I mean, not faking it, but really who we are. And and that part Mm -hmm. is scary and it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror. Sometimes and come to terms with I've wasted 40 plus years of my life, drinking and drugging. It's scary to look back. And uh, I'm sorry to, to to detract from, from your your, your conversation.
1: But I get you about the morning routine thing. If I, I need to move my body and meditate in the morning and I'll, That during that month, that month where I picked up on June second, the month of May, I was slipping that stuff, and it was then when my body, my energy is not moved. Like you know, I'm a a yoga teacher, dance teacher, fitness person my whole life. If I don't have that feeling, it leads to unhealthy thinking. It leads to weird food choices. It leads to, and then I, it's self deprecating, and that leads to. But it starts with that missing something in the morning, and uh, so I, my morning routine is critical to me. It is, uh, it's, but I, I, I've been now in recovery for a longer period of time. Not, I only have a year, I'm not speaking like I've done, been at this forever, but I am looser with myself that if I don't, you know, get to the meditation in the morning, I know I'm going to get it to it later in the day. I trust myself way right. better now. That's, like I, that's I, the it's all, difference. And, and it's all practice. And if I don't get to the journaling or haven't done it for a couple of days, I have the awareness that I haven't done it for a couple of days. And then I get curious why there's something I'm not, I don't really want to write about. Okay. Get curious about that. I'm just more self, you know, what self-awareness has to be probably the number one thing that I see as a huge change in my recovery is being aware of my feelings. Well, my feelings, my, my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. And I'm, I'm aware of them all. And I can, I can go deeper and think like, Hey, that's bothering me, but that's because it's bringing up that primary emotion. Right. You can you spend know, some time and clarity and get there. <laughs> and that, and that's the part yeah.
0: living in your truth. And, and I don't, I tell people like, I, I'll answer your question, but I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Cause I don't give a shit what you think. Like, no, <laughs> Cause well, I, I have to be real. Like
1: I have these three things I live by every day, rigorous, uh, be honest, let go and be, and be in the day. So that idea of like rigorous honesty with self is number one. Right. And we have to be honest with ourselves. So, hundred uh, um, so yeah, so they, when I, in July with the, the, the new sobriety date, I did three major things because people say, you know, I just worked last week. Uh, I did service at the treatment center as alumni. I went back for a week. That is
0: wonderful. I, is it that? was,
1: it was phenomenal.
0: That's it so was great. honestly,
1: and I, I think they kind of saw me as like a real live specimen of somebody that like was in these chairs a year ago. And now she's back and she's working a solid active recovery so I got lots of one-on-ones like can we pick your brain can I pick your brain so they're very curious about the relapse because our relapse rate in Canada uh after COVID now is in the 90 like 92 percent of Canadians relapse in the first year after a treatment center and that's alarm that's alarming for like family and loved ones to hear but when they you know it's addiction's a disease right we have a it, it, and the recovery plan after is so important so The clients there were asking, you know, how did how did the relapse happen, and what's how did you do it all over again? What was different? I said a lot. Number one, I got a really great therapist that had addiction specialization, fantastic. I I I surrendered to the word alcoholic, and I joined a a twelve and I joined a twelve star program. And number three, um, I let people in. I let a community in like it, like no other, I speak to another addict or alcoholic every day, a couple, and I tell them when things are going well and when they're not going well, but that idea of community and unity has just been, those three things have kept me sober and in a very active recovery for a year.
0: That's great to hear. I I love the community comment too, because it does take a village. It it does take a village and you, you have to have people that you can rely on and others have to rely on you because the moments that triggers come and they come through the most random, obscure thing Mm -hmm. that you could ever imagine. Like you, you know, and you have Mm -hmm. to, I, my wife helps me a lot. I have a sponsor and I can make phone calls to certain friends to, express my feeling and talk about my, I'm triggered. This is what's going on. And sometimes I'm painfully aware of the trigger. Sometimes I'm not sure, but I'm triggered. And we kind of dissect kind of what got me there and, and make it stop the vibrating. Um, and, 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 and I love, you know, put your ego in check, work the program and live in the community. That's, it's great. And, and the desire to do it like surrendering so important. You have to commit to God, I, I'm I've I've lost I'm
1: this fight. I'm I've lost this, <laughs> and and trying. You know what, Anthony? Trying to find like joy in it. Like I yeah. I I I get up. This is, sounds wild, but you're like how do you you have to set your alarm? How do you get up when with the sun? I'm like, I actually get up and I'm excited to start my day. That's what gets me up. I feel like it's kind of Christmas morning-ish. Isn't Ooh, I'm going to light my light my candle, make <laughs> my coffee. My friends think I'm nuts. Uh, put my music on. Ooh, that podcast dropped today. Can't wait to listen to it. What am I going to journal about? Like, I'm like, who is this person? It's so
0: great to hear. I love all of this because it's and so it's true. Like, it,
1: and it's authentic. I'm not doing it to get a checkbox from my sponsor, or from my friend that's got longer sobriety than me. I'm doing it for me and I feel better after I've done it. That's right. Um, so that so yeah, so I've been so I say I like to say I've been it like at recovery for um, you know, it'll be two years in November, but I've been like I've been, you know, continuously sober for over a year now. And now I've turned my work into the work I've been doing in, you know, movement and meditation and speaking and facilitating. There's no way that recovery now can't be a part of it. I'm yeah. just drawn to it. So it's been an iteration of, I just launched last April, my, the, the business breath and fire, which is, I like birthed it out of my journaling and recover through recovery.
0: Yeah. I, I, so I think, so. I think that people, I'll speak about this in my, in, 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 in like personal terms. I, I think that people define themselves when, of course, when no one's looking, I, at least I believe that, like, I, I try to live my life as if you know, if no one's looking, I'm gonna live the same life as if everyone is looking. And I I live through sobriety, but the real term, like I I lost for so many years that recovery is my win. And I, and I, so I I think when people relapse, a lot of them, a lot of people I've talked to have relapsed and said, fuck it, I can't stay sober. I'm just going to keep drinking or this whole nonsense. And I say this again, with all due respect, the, 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 Self care aspect where people should keep drinking under doctor medical orders because they're going to die if they don't. It's a bunch of and, and forgive me right. for saying this. I think it's bullshit that, and bad well, medical advice.
1: That is actually more of a U.S. thing. The um, harm reduction. We don't believe in that in Canada. It's We're absent. We're
0: absent. Exactly. Like you don't. Yeah. If if you're a fucking heroin act, you don't give them a lid of fucking heroin. Like you, it's not okay. But I say all that that in recovery the joy comes from fighting through. Of course you want to avoid the relapse under all circumstances to the absolute best of your ability. But sometimes I, it's sad to say that some people relapse and they, I have been blessed. I haven't yet, but I've, I was, I hit the, I hit rock bottom so many times. I count that like my faking it moment, like in, in, in that I just had to get through. And uh, so for me, I think it shows character when you get up and continue fighting. You've been knocked down and I call a relapse like a knockout, like an eight count in boxing. Mm -hmm. You get up and you keep on. And and I think that there's a superhero aspect of that too. And I love hearing when people recover from their own recovery with that because now they correct the mistakes that they've made because it's a learning process.
1: And that's why I, th- I always say relapse. My relapse felt like a little bit of a, a gift. We're going to give you one more chance to see yeah. how bad it could really get. <laughs> and it went and it went Buckle back. To, yeah. it went back to heavy drinking. Right, it went fast because I, I thought it, what I was trying to do was drink normally. Maybe I can just have a couple of drinks tonight. Yep. Well, within like a couple of days, it was sort of back on. Um, and also, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was. I really felt I was done. And I, maybe that was my first sort of spiritual awakening or spiritual experience, but something switched in me on July 21st. And I was like, and I'm done. I'm done. I didn't have that feeling before. I yeah. did, maybe, I was, maybe I was going into recovery for other people. That's probably the case. And in July, yeah. I'm like, I'm doing this for me and I'm cho- choosing now to surrender for real. So I, was, I, I, I knew I was done. Now I'm not saying... You know, I, I'm not saying that I'm never going to drink. We can't say those. No, of course, not. Not. I mean, even my friends, are you going to drink again? I'm like, I, I don't I'm not know. today. I hope, I hope not, not today. One day my answer nine, is not always today. Not, not today.
0: Uh, That's you know, a good
1: answer. Not yeah. today.
0: Be- because yeah. like I'm, I know my, I cannot let. If I say never, then my ego's already won the yeah. fight, man. I, exactly. I am afraid of those words, mm-hmm. and I agree. Like it's, it's scary, but I love the truth in that. I love mm-hmm. that. Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to make all the right choices that I can today. And then, you know, so today. that's, that's, that's yeah, why just I like for to today. Deal. Yeah. Just for today.
1: Also, um, I've never like the introvert piece and in recovery has been and the being alone a lot, the solitude, but just also not being so reactive and mm. busy in my schedule. And this, the chaos that I continued in in the, in the using. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not that I take it easy. I mean, I do. I I have a dear friend in the the fellowship that always reminds me, Michelle, we take it easy. I love that she says we, Yeah. because it makes it feel more connected. Right. We take it easy. I'm like, okay, we take it easy. Yeah. (laughs) So finding that, finding that pause in like in my, in the days is totally new for me. I feel like I'm living a new life. I am. Pause is important.
0: Yeah. My sponsor always says, if you're because I, my part of, I was very impulsive and compulsive where I would overreact emotionally to every situation. I challenged everything. I hated authority. And that goes back to not only my drugs and alcohol, but my trauma and, and other issues that I've learned and uncovered. And she has a great quote that's what well, she always says to me, just drop your keys and mentally pick them up to give yourself a moment before you respond mm-hmm. or react.
1: Yeah. And,
0: you know, Literally and figuratively, it, it works great for me. And sometimes I have to drop my keys five times, but yeah. <laughs> but it works and it helps me yeah. not respond quickly and irrationally with emotion. And if I if I just give myself a moment to take a breath, mm-hmm. it 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 usually leads me to a better choice. Because if I respond Absolutely. emotionally, it's it's tough. Um, I, I lose. I, I lose myself in my own emotions. And I know that now, and it took a long time to get here. I'm 51 for God's sake. And I'm just Ooh. figuring that out. Um, and so that's,
1: you're never, hey, one of the things I like to say is you're never too old and it's never too late right?
0: for <laughs> right. anything. Exactly. Or anything, Exactly. Um, yeah. it's I'm loving this. So please continue. I think that this is a, uh, tremendous, like we, we, we go slow. That's where you left off and and.
1: We go slow and that, let me kind of go on a a riff about like physical activity. So I know that you're CrossFit and actually one of the podcasts I listened to was you had a boxing somebody on, whatever. So I resonate, I'm like, Oh, I chose the one about physical fitness. So I think also in recovery, this is something I'm very passionate about is taking care of this vehicle that we walk around in. And that, that is where I see there's something for me around how are we, how, I don't mean just going to the gym. I mean, how are we finding breath? How are we, how are we moving the energy? Cause so many, I didn't make up this term. I wish I did. The issues lie in our tissues. I wish yeah, I made it up. So it's a great thing. So really I gotta is. find out who said it, but uh, I think it was a, uh, someone in the, the yoga world. I'm not sure, but that is what I tried to do last week at the treatment center was work with clients on like, what ways does your body want to move? Like, and that, you know, it might not be going to a traditional gym or working yeah. out or running, but I, you know, I love stretching and yoga and I've been more gentle with myself in recovery and it's served me well. I don't need to feel like I have to go harder, faster, stronger. Yeah. That kind of all goes with the compulsion. My compulsive behaviors with drinking and with working out and eating and being out partying and socializing. It was exhausting, all yes. of it.
0: It really exhausting. is. It really so is. So now
1: everything is like calmer and I'm in the best shape I've been in and I'm healthy, had the most healthy thinking and healthy physique I've had in my whole life from taking it easy.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing it's like- Mind-blowing. Is it really is mind-blowing. The issues are in the <laughs> tissues. And I do believe that there is- And I I am not a doctor and everyone knows that, but I say that. So if anyone's listening for the first time, this does not come from a medical background. I'm saying that I do believe that addiction and trauma and alcoholism live in your cells. And for me, exercise helps me purge the demons and and feel positive about myself. And 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 it gives me the strength to know that I can check the box for myself in a good way. And I, Mm -hmm. so I think it's a physical, a mental and emotional and a spiritual work that I have to do every single day. And I'm not saying I've got to go to church every day. Sometimes I just think good thoughts. I might pray. I might think about Mm -hmm. how blessed I am, how grateful I am that my kids are healthy, something, anything. Uh, Exercise always has to be a part of it for me. And today, oddly enough, it's funny that I say this. I didn't go to CrossFit today because I've been struggling with uh, chest cold for about two weeks and it finally just. Took the wind out of my sails.
1: Yeah, so I—that's okay. I,
0: yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> I went yesterday. I had to tap out midway through the MetCon because I'm like, I can't catch my breath. I'm right. dying. So I took the day off, uh, and I didn't do. I intentionally forced myself to not even take a walk, which I would normally do.
1: Mm.
0: But I thought, well, I'm doing the podcast tonight, and I'm going to use that as kind of a, an emotional and mental release in a good way. Um,
1: yes.
0: To supplant what I would normally get from from a workout. So. I thank you for that, Shel. It's been, okay, a, good. it's very joyful to <laughs> have that. I've
1: given you a, a workout of the brain today. <laughs> yeah. It's been great. You know, so I,
0: I do love it, but I, I think that, you know, the issues do live in the tissues and I, and I, yeah. you can either let them sit there or you can purge them. And I like to purge them, them now. Got to get yeah, them out.
1: I, I like to put music on. And when I work with my clients and we just, uh, we shake, we twist, we jump, we, we just move. It's like, it's, the most uh, organic movement to music right. it's so and to me it's like just moving it like move it around and then yeah. stretch and breathe and it's having those moments too this is new in recovery for me is when and i can feel it it's so again awareness so when i've been uh, that's why i equate the breath and fire when i've been on fire for the day so it's a social event or um you know even this someone it's kind of a fiery feeling for me i know after this i can't jump into dinner with a friend right now I need to sort of take a little walk on my own, maybe have a rest, maybe do a quick 10 minute guided meditation. But it's that throughout the day, having the awareness of when I need to find my calm and my grounding. And I can't busy myself anymore. I can't. I just can't. I need to take to draw it in. And so that's so new for me. And um, I feel like I'm honoring myself. I feel like I'm giving myself exactly what I need.
0: Well, I love I love that concept where you are aware of what you can or should or shouldn't do after a fire event. Um, Mm -hmm. But I love what you're doing with breath and fire. I, I, you know, I haven't worked with you. I haven't had any one-on-ones, but I've read through your website and I, I have to say, I, I love the concept. I'd love to talk about that or maybe have us, you know, end our wonderful discussion on what you're doing today, because I love that you're living your recovery out loud. In a, in a positive is, wonderful that. way. like this is my favorite part of the podcast. I love hearing about what people are doing in the sunshine of their recovery and this is a mm. perfect fit. and I knew I felt very uh, akin to you already with with your active background and, and your 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 training and your, your fitness background and and I, I was nothing anywhere near fitness my entire drinking and drugging career. I was the opposite right. I smoked too bad. oh so, yeah sure.
1: oh wow. all of that okay.
0: and in recovery. I've, I've flipped the script in a wonderful way. So I'm always excited to hear what people are doing in the sunshine of their recovery. And, and I just, this is what you are doing is great. And that quote, like I said, was when you reached out, I'm like, this is a perfect fit for the show. So
1: this is great. Sometimes you have to burn the house down to find home. Yeah. That's it. So what I do, what, what breath and fire does is um, take those two pull, like, you know, take the fire, which is our passion or how we get fed igniting and the breath is our calm grounding, and so it's finding that balance in life, and also with that, finding, uh, finding our way back home. And it, so it wouldn't have been possible to create it without being in recovery and, and experiencing it myself. So what I do is offer small group coaching sessions called Homecoming, where I have you know a group of they're all women right now, but it's open to men, yeah. and we uh, we do we meet online on Zoom for a, it's a three week intensive. So we meet Monday through Friday for a little half hour intentional movement and breath work with me. And then every day they get a journal prompt or a personal development activity and a guided meditation and a one on one call with me in those three weeks. It's just to start to identify small little cracks that might need they need to get curious about in their life.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's just it's just all about awareness and I kind of want them to create a morning routine. That's what I'm doing. That's why we get up early and do it together. Yeah. Um, been, I do a lot of speaking engagements and wellness activations for large um, organizations. I just did one this morning for our, one of our big grocery chains here. And I had 15 minutes with them. We found our breath and we ignited our fire. They're all corporate types and uh, it was well received. Now, right. if I have a longer time on stage, I will weave in my personal story of alcoholism and recovery. And make it but making it a learning strategy and why I found my breath and found my fire and how they complement each other all day and people lose one or the other. They don't know. They're either like on a pilot light or they're a raging inferno. It's about that controlled blaze that we want to want to find. And oftentimes we can't get that unless we know who we are and we lose ourselves along the way to like jobs or parenting or you know, obviously, also too. I forgot one part, Anthony. I left out of my story. My mother was diagnosed with dementia during COVID. She's eighty-eight. Oh my gosh! I'm an I'm an only child, so I always miss that one. That was extremely traumatic for me to I get her into uh, a, a, a nursing home. So I drank on that a lot. <laughs> that was a big. Yeah. I just thought of that. So do de- like, that same generation? I've got the I'm an only child. Got the eighty-eight year old mother with dementia, and and she's in great great care now. But And then the 10-year-old son. So it was hard juggling yeah. that. with has got to real so tough.
0: I, I, listen, I tough. love, I, I like how you actively help. First of all, I love the concept of helping people find a morning routine. I, I do believe that mm-hmm. success comes not from motivation, but from dedication. You have to be dedicated to your success. And it doesn't have to be big, flashy movements. It could be something mm-hmm. as simple as making the bed, uh, going on a walk. Doing it yeah. in my case, crossfit or boxing workout, taking a bike ride. Who cares? Just do cares? something, read a book, something have a for coffee. you. Absolutely. Yeah, have a
1: coffee, light a candle. I think someone said, uh, I met somebody a couple of weeks ago and he said, You're a morning person. Hey, eh? what time do you get up? And I said, 5 30. He goes, You own the day that early, don't you? I said, Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. And it amazing. gives me quiet time before my son gets up. So I have it for me. I'm a much better mother when he comes out of the bed bedroom. There's mummy quiet with a candle lit having coffee good morning not reading a book ra- from- <laughs> exactly. not raging hungover mummy that's like yelling about lunches and you're going to be late like I'm a different mother yeah and that's the impact that's and, everything you know it's that's everything so I love when people also say oh you get up so early um oh I don't I don't or or they want to know how I fit so many things in my recovery in the day and they're like I don't have time for all that I said have you thought about getting up earlier like we all can do it. It's a sure. choice. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's a total choice to get up earlier. And then I like to also say to, to other um, you know, people that are struggling or, or curious, how much time did you spend on your addiction? Bye. Finding it, buying it, using, recovering. You, you have yeah. lots of hours back in your life. For sure. I mean, if you if think about like <laughs> I would spend all
0: day and all night drinking. Now that I don't have that. I have the entire day to accomplish. I find myself with like gaps of the day that I can just take a breath and do nothing if I want to. And I do, because that's, I like to sit with myself and maybe read a chapter or two here and there in the middle of the day or whatever it is. And the concept of I don't have the time, first of all, Mm. between me and you, I think is complete bullshit. I mean, you have to make the time you have to choose what kind of day you're going to have. You have to make effort and carve and say, no, Part of recovery for me is I not just no to drugs and alcohol. I learned to say no to a lot of unnecessary noise in my life, unnecessary people, and unnecessary choices. I've trimmed things down to its very basic simple forms where I was always kind of chasing the neighbors. I used to, I kind of call it where I'm trying to live mm-hmm. up, what do they call it? Keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses the nice cars yeah. and all that crap. I am anti-materialism. I conspicuous consumption's out the window. I'm trying to be a minimalist and teach my children that Yes. If, if you go to a party and they care what kind of clothes you're wearing or the car you pull up on in, you're at the wrong party.
1: Shouldn't, you're the wrong party.
0: You're at the, And I if it's a family event, you need to, that. you need to walk right back out because if they care yeah. about that, screw them
1: too. <laughs> you know. I love that you said that though, Anthony, the simplicity, right? The sim, I remember reading in a, in a uh, sobriety literature, some, uh, like a biography that she just, she wanted a simple little life. And I read that and thought, I don't want that. This is pre pre stopping drinking pre pre 2020. Who wants a simple little life? I want like a big colorful life for grandiosity and, and be a player in the game. No. I want none of that anymore. None. I want a simple little life.
0: Yes. I, I want really do. Completely unnoticed. I really I do. like to keep it calm. <laughs> my favorite part of the day like is when my kids do get up and I'm home from the workout and, and they wake up and like you, I'm in a better place. My cup is mm-hmm. empty and ready to receive them in a good way and put yeah. forth positive energy. I, that to me is a perfect, joyful day. And then I get help them out to camp or school and yeah. live a simple, simple day. It's it's perfect with my wife. It, it works out great. And That's well, awesome. I maybe just as a wrap, if you don't mind, yeah. I'm, if you could tell people where to find you, because I think yeah. you, you can help so many wonderful people. I, I'd be ashamed sure. to talk about how people can get in touch.
1: I would love that. And I, even though I speak about recovery and I'm in recovery, the work I do is for anybody. So I feel like even, and I, I'm sure you've heard this before. I feel like everybody is in recovery from something for sure. You know, and I go for, I, I go for walks with my girlfriends that are not in recovery. And I talk about some of the twelve steps and things. I'm being like, they're like, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, can I do step four with you on my work? Because I'm like, I need I have some resentment. I gotta get rid. Of it. <laughs> I gotta dump. So, <laughs> I
0: always say to people, if you don't think you're addicted to anything, <laughs> live without your cell phone for a week. Yeah. Hey, yeah. good luck. Like, good people luck. are like, uh, I can't do that. Well, you can, exactly. but you're choosing not to.
1: You're choosing not to exactly. So I, the work I do is for anybody that is just curious about finding home again and making some changes. And I, we, I, I can do that through I, all All of my work I do is rooted in three pillars, uh, intentional movement, meditation or mindfulness and personal reflection. So even if I'm on, you know, if, even if it's a five minute activation you hire me for, which I'd get hired for that, we're still moving, we're meditating and we're thinking about something in that five minutes. I never do one without the other two. Uh, so you can find me at breathandfire.com, and if you're anywhere, it's a it's an online sort of self-directed and over Zoom program, so you don't have to be in Toronto or Canada. And then Instagram is a great place to follow, sort of the active, you know, day to day type of thing and more live and vibrant. And it's Michelle underscore breathandfire. That's wonderful. Those are two great two great places to find me. I but love it, yeah, Michelle. Any, it been... any listener that's uh, any listener that's also sober curious, you know, reach out.
0: For sure. Just I'll, a, and I'll help call. get the word out anywhere, any way that I can, especially through the podcast. And it has been absolute joy meeting you and getting to know you. you. And I, I have enjoyed every second.
1: Me too. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: My pleasure.